This episode is brought to you by the Arvada Center because they're kicking off their summer concert series in June. Relax under the stars at the Arvada Center's outdoor amphitheater and take in acts like Melissa Etheridge, Big Richard, Tower of Power, Preservation Hall Jazz Band, The Spin Doctors, and so much more. Concerts are scheduled for June through September. You can find a whole schedule of events and get your tickets today at arvadacenter.org. That's arvadacenter.org. Today on CityCast Denver. It's officially time to start caring about the mayoral election. There are some big deadlines this week, and the candidates are starting to roll out their policy platforms. So today we've got Westward editor Patty Calhoun back to talk about how homelessness and snow plowing are shaping the race so far and what you need to know about what's coming next. Today is Wednesday, January 18th, 2023. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Patty Calhoun, welcome back to CityCast Denver. Thanks so much. So, Patty, we're checking in on the mayoral race because the candidates are finally starting to roll out what looked to be some real policy reforms. And this week marks the official beginning of the race in some ways. Um, I want to start there. Can you talk to me about the deadlines the candidates have this week and what they mean? So January 19th, Thursday, is the big date because it is the day you must turn in your petition with your signatures, which then have to be verified. And that's three each can every every candidate has to get three hundred verified from, signatures, and presumably not the signatures of people who've already signed other petitions. Right, because you're only as a voter, you're only allowed to sign one petition per like office. Right, exactly. And it's supposed to people are complaining it's too low a hurdle. Frankly, with almost 30 candidates. I'm not sure it's such a low hurdle. So those are due at the end of the day on Thursday. Then they'll be verified. And the people who have the appropriate number of signatures verified will make the final ballot. We won't know that for sure Thursday, but we will know if anyone dropped out and decided not to turn in their petitions. The other weird twist this year is They also must turn in, if they file to get fair election funds, they have to turn in their first list of contributions then, too, to qualify. That was moved up. So I know some of the late, the candidates late to join the game were concerned, this just happened 10 days ago, that, you know, they had to go out and get more contributions early if they were going to qualify. Will you explain why it was moved up and how that happened, the date, the deadline for the fair elections? You know, the devil is in the details. So we voted two years ago to move up the municipal election because the time between the first vote in May and the runoff in June didn't jibe with federal and state schedules. So we had to change it to April, which was fine, but people didn't figure out that the fair election fund, which we Denver's had voted on in 2018, that also had deadlines in it, which needed to be moved up. So it wasn't until early January that city council did that, moved up the deadlines so they fit in according to the April election. And what I think is interesting about the 300 vote thing with, or I'm sorry, getting 300 signatures is you're right. It doesn't seem like a lot, but I think it's a test for those candidates that, hey, I've got the money to run for mayor. But do I have, like, initially people's support and interest? Right. And it's interesting to see, like, Leslie Harrod, I think, was the first one to collect them all. And when you go out and it's an opportunity to meet people, it's an opportunity to see just how sincere you are about it. Because some people decided with the free money or close enough with the Fair Elections Fund, they would get in. But if you don't like campaigning, are you going to like 
being the mayor. So you have to go <laughs> out and question. get the signatures and contributions. But we won't have the ballot probably finalized till the end of next week. I honestly, Representative Herod's ground game is is already going great. I think it's it's interesting to me, and I, the, the way I see it as interesting is oftentimes I read these stories about candidates and they're having these private you know they have these fundraising parties at people's houses and they're generally folks I don't know they're people in the sort of upper echelons of society and Leslie Herod has been doing these parties at artists houses at um, you know at bars like I'm seeing her more in community than I've seen a lot of other candidates and I honestly think that's going to make her one of the bigger contenders but yeah she was out there early and very public now, with the Fair Elections Fund, we're actually seeing fewer or we're not hearing about the big fundraisers because people can afford to go out and have smaller events. Last week was the first big events with Kelly Bruff doing a public appearance. We had Mike Johnston sending out his plan to eliminate homelessness in four years. So people are trying to get out there. And everyone was at the parade on Monday. Right. I mean, there were a lot of mayoral candidates in that parade. You mentioned homelessness, which is absolutely, I think, one of the defining issues of this campaign. Um, so the boldest proposal so far has come from Mike Johnston, who you mentioned. And he said, quote, we can end homelessness in my first term. And like you said, that's four years. What do you... You've seen some things, Patty. What do you make of that? Well, we've learned a lot over since yes. Hickenlooper announced Denver's Road Home and back in 2005. And, and that was, was part a 10-year plan to end It was a 10-year plan, but it was part of a whole federal move, which people sometimes forget. But we've learned so much more about homelessness since then. And certainly Mike Johnston has been involved in this for a long time. He's been pushing the affordability issue. So I thought his his plan was very interesting, that he knows you have to divide it up. Who falls into which camps? Who are the people who just really need a boost now? Mm. Who are the people who, if they could get into homes, would be able to pull themselves up? And who have chronic, serious issues? I know that there have been issues taken with his numbers, just the number of people who need help. Yeah. But I liked it that he put forward a plan because I do think this is going to be one of the hot buttons with voters in April. And maybe snow. Right, right, which we will get to. Patty, I know I've seen Mike Johnson's name quite a bit. He ran for governor the last time around. But could you tell me a little bit more for folks that don't know, who is Mike Johnston? Well, Mike Johnston is a really interesting guy who's got a fascinating background. Liv grew up in Edwards, from Colorado, not from an inner city family, but he's been really devoting his efforts to public service. So, for example, in 2008, when Barack Obama came here for the Democratic National Convention, he went to visit the school where Mike Johnston was principal. So I think Mike Johnston, he's showing that he is is thinking about edu educating the public and pushing those things. If I were Mike Johnston, I'd be on the phone to Barack Obama right now and get him <laughs> out here to show he's not just someone who's been working for a think tank recently or a person who didn't have success successful campaigns for other offices. He's done some of the toughest jobs, like being a principal in a local school. That's tough. I do like that thought, though, maybe that an endorsement from someone like Obama could turn your campaign. I mean, it could rocket you ahead. Well, we could use some star power right yeah, now just because we have such a conglomerate and to break out of the pack isn't going to be easy. This episode is brought to you by Pine Melon, the farmer's market delivered. 
Pine Melon is a next-generation grocery delivery app that partners with over 200 farmers, ranchers, and producers in Colorado to help make fresh, locally sourced foods available to the Denver community at fair prices. Get high-quality meats, eggs, and dairy from small local farms, fresh-baked breads from local bakeries, and more, as well as all of your favorite pantry staples. Best part is, Pine Melon offers same-day delivery to Denver and soon Boulder within a two-hour window, no subscription necessary. Save time in your busy schedule and get fresh and healthy groceries delivered right to your door. Join the movement and support local today. Use promo code CityCastDenver for $75 off your first delivery at PineMelon.com. That's PineMelon.com. So another candidate for mayor is Kelly Bruff. She was the CEO of the Denver Metro Chamber of Commerce. And I think for many people in the business community, she's like their candidate. Um, But last week, she unveiled her plan for public safety, which, according to some follow up from Kyle Clark at Nine News, included a comment from Kelly saying that she was going to end the sweeps of homeless encampments like she would no longer enforce them. You know, I, I think what's important on weather like this is we do everything we can to get people sheltered and housed. Uh, and out of uh, this situation because it's so unsafe for them. Uh, But we all know sweeps don't work. So, Patty, what do you make of this? Like coming from a candidate that may be representative of the business community, which isn't exactly supportive of ending the sweeps. Well, and then there was some backtracking by one of her big supporters. So this is a tough one to know actually what happened. But as we go on in the campaign, she's going to have to be very clear of what she has in mind. If you are going to end the sweeps, you just have to be sure that you are dealing with public health issues, too. Right. And there are other ways. I mean, we see with the STAR campaign going out, offering people services, you have to be able to make sure people are safe mm-hmm. at the same time they're sheltered somehow. And and I didn't. she didn't get a chance in that response to say what she would do if she right. ended the sweeps. So she's going to have to deal with that because people are going to say, we just can't have people camped on the sidewalks. Well, what's the alternative? Yeah, what's your plan? Which I'm, I mean, I'm looking forward to hearing that from all of the candidates. What is your plan? I mean, I don't, I don't agree with the sweeps, but I want to know what someone in a leadership position who's supposed to be steering the city in the right direction wants to really do. Um, but you brought up something that I do want to ask you about, which is this quote from Andrew Feinstein, who's sort of the landlord and developer of Rhino. And he said, I'm a supporter of Kelly Bruff. I'm a friend of hers. I haven't talked to her yet today, but there's no way that's the policy. What does that say to you? That says to me, we're pretty early in the campaign and people are just putting out their position papers. Now, you'd think if you were going to run for mayor, you'd have your position paper on homelessness and the approach you're going to take ready before you run, because I do think that's the big issue. And the city's changed its approach now with Housing First. We see Aurora taking a different path. There are a lot of different ways you can study it and say, I'll do, I'll try these things. You don't have to say it's definitive, because we haven't seen the definitive answer in 20, 30 years. So it's maybe- But you better know you're going to be talking about it. Right. And I mean, that was the thing I think that was kind of shocking was like, Feinstein is saying, I'm I'm a big supporter of Kelly's. I'm, I'm a, she had a fundraising event at his house. And he's saying, well, this is the first I've heard of it, which I thought was interesting. But you're right. I think until we see the position, we see the positions on paper, we can't really know. Um, OK, so obviously we have to talk about the other big issue, which is uh, very of this moment, I think, which is also thanks to candidate Chris Hansen was the conversation around snow removal, which we have talked about a lot on this show. Um, there was that big late December storm that left roads icy and sidewalks 
frozen over for weeks. I mean, you you and I've talked about it, Patty. It's hard to get out of your own house. Um, but you brought up the other day that this is not the first time that snow removal has been a big political issue for Denver. Tell me what happened with snow removal, the mayor's race, and Denver in 1983. So in 82, you had a big field of candidates running against incumbent Bill McNichols going for his fourth full term. Think about that. We, you can't do that now. Fourth? But at the time, he was going for his fourth full term. And he'd gotten in in 68 when Tom Kurgan had resigned. So he people were getting tired of him. But what they really got tired of was this Christmas snowstorm in 1982. About 30 inches of snow immobilized the city. This is the blizzard of 82. The blizzard of 82. Okay. I was stuck at O'Hara Airport for two days trying to get back to Denver. <laughs> but it w- it immobilized the city. And that gave people a good excuse not to vote for McNichols. And Dale Tooley was also running. It was his third time. He was running as DA. Federico Pena was one of a very crowded field, not as crowded as this year, but about seven candidates. Federico Pena was in it. Wellington Webb was in it in 1983. And Pena just came from behind as a new vision, you know, imagine a great city, but young energy. Pena was 36 at the time. Yeah. So he won, and it was a big surprise and a huge shift for Denver. 20 years late, oh, he wound up with his own snowstorm the next year, which he tried to tamp down with trash trucks, you know, the <laughs> snow in the residential streets. So it's not that easy getting rid of snow in Denver. So it's kind of this combination of like, Denver was sick of the leadership that we had had because this is before, obviously, term limits had changed for mayors. And we also had this fresh, young, new person in Pena who had this, again, the Imagine a Great City thing, which is, honestly, I think is a tagline that stuck to this day. Um, And that's, so there are these different things that could be at play here that were... Oh, it wasn't just snow. I mean, there was no question. If you looked beneath the surface of that snow, you had new people moving. You had a diverse young population. The Imagine a Great City slogan was done by my original partners at Westward, who'd left by then and were helping Pena's campaign. And they came up with Imagine a Great City, Sandy Widener and Rob Simon. So it stuck. It did well. Because if you thought about the city before then, you were just kind of imagining a beautiful setting and kind of Omaha in the middle of it. Sorry to Omaha. (laughs) No, but I I That was the reputation we had. Well, and that would be more of our size of type of city at that time. Just a plodding Midwestern type city that happened to be in the middle of a beautiful, beautiful state. Instead of just like beacon of the West, this new place where folks want to be innovation, all the kinds of things that now I think define Denver. Um, we've got another storm on the way this week. It may be happening by the time this this episode runs. Do you think snow could do something similar? I mean, this campaign's a little different. We don't have an incumbent running. This is all new folks. Do you think that snow could play a role? Well, Chris Hansen came out with the funny snow things. And I thought that's what we need in this campaign. You've got almost 30 candidates, maybe 24 will be on the final ballot. You need people to break out, and they have to break out by showing they're smart, by showing they're sincere, but also also showing they have personality and are fun. And that was a fun thing Chris Hansen did. Think about 20 years ago when Hickenlooper, who was polling at 3%, came out with the sticking money in the meters, right. the nonsense of government, that he wanted to clear things up. If you hit someone like that, maybe showing some common sense fun with that, I think they'd break out. Um We've talked about a lot of candidates. Is there anyone else that you're watching? 
I'm watching all of them, partly because you want to hear who's got the good ideas, and somehow they're going to wind up being in debate. So Debbie Ortega, old familiar name, right? only person who's won a citywide office. I'm seeing a lot of endorsements. So that's clearly one of the ways she's going, early endorsements. Uh, you see Les- Leslie Harrod is catching on with a certain group, and you're looking at it maybe just... 10% of the vote you're going to need to get into the runoff. I talked to Amber McReynolds, who used to be at the Denver Election Division, and she was fascinated because I said, is this going to get us to ranked choice voting? And she thinks yes. And, you know, ranked choice is when you go first choice, second choice, third choice. And depending on the system, you might go up to five, you might go up to 20. But she says, otherwise, what's going to happen? We're going to find ourselves in June electing a mayor who maybe 90% of the original vote did not support. Think about that. So maybe just someone who got 10% in April will wind up being mayor. I The thing I struggle with is, is this election going to be an example, if anything, of why we needed ranked choice voting now versus after? Like, our, I, I don't know. What do you, how, how do you square with a city maybe having to elect somebody that only 10% of voters liked in the first place? Well, think about it. 10%, you can have someone who's very fringe. And, you know, we'll start seeing more of those fringe come out. You could get 10% of a really ardent group of voters pushing that person into the runoff. And then it's just going to be whoever is the other person on will probably win. Okay. So it could be very strange come April 5th when we find out who's left. (laughs) Who's left, yeah. Well, we'll be checking in with you, of course, uh, as this goes on, because it feels like April is forever and also so close. Um, Patty Calhoun, thank you so much. Thank you. And I've got some mayoral news that broke literally as Patty and I were speaking. State Representative Alex Valdez, who announced his mayoral campaign back in November, has dropped out of the race. So I guess that's one less candidate on the ballot. But don't worry, there's still two dozen more to choose from. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. The snow. Again. As I record this on Tuesday, weather forecasters are saying we're due for 6 to 12 inches by Wednesday morning. So this whole plowing issue is likely to remain in the mayoral conversation. The city says they do plan on plowing residential streets this time, unlike the big December snowstorm. So hopefully it's not another icy mess for weeks. And finally, it's the end of an era for Colorado beer. After flagging sales in recent years, New Belgium Brewing is relaunching Fat Tire Amber Ale with a, quote, brighter, crisper new recipe and a whole new look. Fat Tire was once the flagship in the Fort Collins-based brewery's lineup with distribution all across the country. But tastes have changed. For those of you old enough to remember the rollout of New Coke, well, let's hope New Fat Tire fares better. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed this show, why not take a minute to tell Mayor Hancock's Chief of Staff, Alan Salazar, about us. Rate the show wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to our morning newsletter, Hey Denver, by texting Denver to 66866. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you later. And here's what else Denverites are talking about. The snow, again. As I record this on Tuesday, oh my God, Paula, I'm getting old. I need to get my eyes checked. I have to like, I have to stretch the screen out so I can see this plot. Okay.